0: Race 412, welcome back. It is actually Thursday morning, not Wednesday morning. We're recording a day late because we last night celebrated April 12th, 412 day. We started a new series. We relaunched life groups, and we could not be more excited about what God is doing uh, in Grace 412. It's an exciting time to be a part of this ministry. Um, People that um, maybe weren't leaders before are now leading. People that weren't faithful attenders are now faithful, and they're not just faithfully attending, but they're serving, and they're stepping up, and they're connecting together. It's been so exciting to see that. We've seen new faces almost every Wednesday night as we've gathered together, and that's been an awesome thing for us as youth leaders to see. Uh, but with that, there's sometimes this idea that we can we can take for granted that um, even as leaders, we actually understand maybe a little bit more than what we do. Because if we're honest, we would acknowledge the Bible is, is actually a pretty confusing book, And so if you've spent time around church or even around Grace 412, you've maybe heard some words that we sort of just passively say that maybe we haven't actually dove into what they mean things like the gospel or baptism or water or spirit baptism or talking to God or walking in the Spirit or even this idea of grace 412 and maybe you've wondered what does that even mean and so we are starting this new series that we're calling back to the basics we're looking at these types of things we want to give the students freedom to ask questions and gain a better understanding of, of what we would call uh, foundational ideas or maybe even just common talking points uh, within the church and within our ministry and so with last night being 412 night we started off the new series and the new semester answering the question what is grace 412 grace 412 comes from first Timothy In chapter 4 in verse 12 where the Bible says let no man despise your youth but be an example of the believer in word and conversation in charity in spirit in faith and in purity so Paul is writing to a young Timothy who has become the pastor of the church in Ephesus we believe Timothy is likely somewhere in his 30s at this point he would definitely be considered a youth Especially in those days, uh, they would consider anyone under 40 to be young or youthful or inexperienced. Uh, in those days, age was kind of equated to knowledge and wisdom and experience. And Paul writes to Timothy four chapters in now to this letter, late in this letter, and he says, Timothy, I just want to remind you that your age does not limit your sphere of influence. And, and it's nice to see that to some degree, some of those walls have come down a little bit, that 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 now young people are are looked at with a little bit more respect, that uh, the next generation is given a little bit more uh, responsibility and even acknowledgement than maybe before. But if we were honest, we'd realize that there is still some demographic, even in and maybe especially in the church, where teens and college students and young adults, they're, they're made to feel like their age or their experience hinders them from having an impact but i just want to remind all of us that that the next generation is the future that that the students know what way the world is going there you're immersed in the culture you are you're not only aware of but involved in what is happening today if you are 25 or younger you don't really know a world outside of the age of information or the age of technology And some people see that as as a deficit or a deficiency, but I would actually encourage those who are younger, uh, in in a lot of ways, that's not a deficiency, that's actually a help to you. You know, my son Oliver, he's two years old, he already knows how to work a tablet. It is insane the the way that he navigates a touch screen. And I, on the other hand, still remember having to figure out how to use dial-up internet. So, in some ways, this experience that you who are in the younger generation have, it can be used for good. That's why some of the most influential movements in the world were were started and carried out by young people. The disciples were all likely 30 years old or younger. The founding fathers were almost all 21 years old or younger. 40% of all startups are run by people 40 and under, and over 50% of the most successful startups in history were started by somebody 30 or younger and why does this matter this is a big setup for one verse but this is the foundation of this verse this matters because we need to understand that youth is not a hindrance it is a gift you see time is one of the only commodities that we cannot barter for or bargain for or trade for or get back or pay enough for time is one of the only commodities that we cannot get more of and you who are young, you have time on your side. You have time to learn, time to grow, time to adapt, time to study, time to follow God, time to share him with others, time to see his power and provision, time to celebrate his goodness and his faithfulness, time to be a disciple who makes more disciples, time to see Jesus more fully. And so Paul says to young Timothy, I don't want you to let someone else look down on you because you're young. I want you to understand that you can be an example to them. See, if you're 25 or so or younger, you don't realize it, but your generation is actually setting the tone for the way of the world. And the church is a part of that this is why churches work so hard to have a thriving youth or young adults ministry because as the church is going to go is as the young people go and this is the point you are not called to simply exist in the church you were called to be an example for the church that's what paul tells timothy he says hey don't let anybody despise you because you're young be an example to the believer This is why we're called Grace 412. That's a long setup for what we're going to get into now. But this is, we want to set the tone for this discussion. And we want to ultimately, as Grace 412, as youth, as young people, set the tone for the rest of the church. And I would just say, you are already doing an incredible job at this. But we can always grow. And so what we're going to do now is look at 1 Timothy 4. And we're going to specifically study this in the context of verse 12 and see what paul is talking about here there's four things the first one is this set the example in how you talk if you go back to first timothy 4:12, he says let no one despise youth but be an example to the believer in word in conversation That's in verse 12, but if you go to verse 1 of chapter 4, he actually says to Timothy, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisies, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. He says, hey, in the last days, Timothy, people are going to speak all kinds of lies. That's how they're going to talk. They're going to teach false doctrines. And they're going to they're gonna come in here. They won't have any sort of conscience. They're just going to say what they think. And it's interesting that Paul thought even then that they were in the last days because of how bad the world was. And it's only gotten worse. That's why we did a series a couple years ago called As For You. And this is the case for us now. The world and even the church is speaking all sorts of lies. That's how they communicate. But as for you... What will you say? How will you communicate? See, it's easy for us to recognize the lies being spoken in the world. We, I think we all identify that the world has abandoned truth for the most part, But if you look again in context, Paul's not just talking about the the world. This is happening in the church. Verse three, he says, they're gonna forbid to marry and command you to abstain from meats which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. So he says, hey, in the last days, people are gonna depart from the faith. They're gonna have no conscience. They're gonna speak all kinds of lies. They're gonna teach all kinds of false doctrines. And what he's talking about here is actually not what's happening in the world. He's saying in the church, they're going to be adding to what Jesus had done. In the church, they're going to be telling you all the extra stuff that they think you should do or shouldn't do. They're going to be arguing about all kinds of semantical things. They're going to be wanting to go backwards. And see, part of the reason the series like this, Back to the Basics, is so necessary is because this is still happening in the church today. Maybe we're not saying it anymore, but we still act like our certain little quirks or preferences are more important than what they actually are. We get into all these nonsensical and confusing debates. And Paul says to Timothy, hey, Timothy, you be an example. As for you, he says, verse 7, refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness he he says earlier he says all that conversation all that stuff it just leads to more ungodliness it puts the focus on you he says avoid it refuse those things so how you talk number one is avoid conversations with little truth and no value he says refuse it don't don't even take part in it it's so easy for us to get caught up in what's negative or, or the gossip or the unnecessary, unhelpful, unbiblical conversations. Maybe we're the person that kind of initiates that, or maybe somebody else comes to us to initiate it and we don't know how to shut it down. But Paul says, hey, be an example to the believers in conversation and in word. And one of the ways to do that, he says, just refuse all this stuff that's not helpful, that's not truthful. If it has little truth or no value, avoid it. And then in verse 6 he kind of gives a the contrast the how to he says if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things you'll be a good minister of Jesus nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained he says remind them about the words of faith and remind them about good doctrine and then in verse 11 he says these things command and teach he says command and teach and remind people of the gospel of the words of faith of the work of Christ of the truth Here's the contrast, avoid conversations with little truth and no value, and initiate conversations that spread truth and add value. This is how we set an example in the words that we say and in the conversations that we have. Because it's so funny, if you talk to the older generation, they talk about how the younger generation is so entitled and so spoiled and so negative. And if you talk to the younger generation, they love to talk about how it's actually the older generation, that they're actually entitled and spoiled and negative. But here's the reality. We all love to be negative, We're all spoiled and we're all entitled and we're all complainers. We all love to talk about what we love to talk about. We all love to make our opinions and our preferences and our voices heard. But can I encourage you, you can set the example in the church and in the world in the way that you handle conversations. And Paul says, listen, avoid these needless conversations, whether they're about silly doctrines or needless complaints. And he says, instead, you preach the truth. Instead, you share the good news. Initiate conversations that spread truth and add value. And this happens in more than just the way that we talk. The second thing is how you lead. He says, uh, be an example to the believer in word and conversation, and then he says in charity in spirit and in faith. And I love that he uses the word faith there because this is kind of the essence of leadership. In Hebrews 11 verse 1, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And that word substance, faith is the substance, is like a tangible, like real thing. It's this certainty of things hoped for. It's It's like it's already happened. And that's the idea of faith. It's, it's a vision of what's to come that, that's, that already but not yet. It's the certainty of what, what God has already promised. And it's the evidence. It's the proof. It's the reality of things that we have yet to see. That is what true leadership looks like. And he says, be an example in charity and spirit and in faith it's it's moving forward with certainty and with confidence even if the immediate unknown is unseen or unknown we know the eternal future in verse 8 he says bodily exercise profits a little but godliness is profitable all things and then he says in verse 8 having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come he says i don't want you to just remind people of the promise of life now although i want you to do that he says i want you to remind them of the promise that is to come we're moving forward verse 10 he says for therefore we labor and we suffer reproach right now it's bad but he says but we trust in the living god who is the savior of all men specifically those who believe remember what god has done what god is doing and the salvation that he offers look he says in verse 10 we're laboring and suffering reproach like things were going to be difficult they were being murdered for their faith they were being persecuted for their faith and paul knows these people are going to need someone to step out and lead them spiritually and this is not about age this is about faith and in these difficult and uncertain times that we are now facing The church desperately needs to see faith-filled, spirit-filled young people who are committed to following Jesus. You look at the context of 1 Timothy 4, he says, hey, they want to go back. They want to go back to the law and to their traditions and their practices. We're not going back there. We are moving forward. That's what faith-filled living and leadership looks like. Identify your sphere of influence and determine to lead toward Jesus in faith it's a determination that has to take place it's it's deciding hey i'm going to do this that's what it looks like to say it's the evidence of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen he says it's like like joshua saying as for me and my house we will serve the lord i'm going to follow jesus in faith and then we're going to identify our sphere of influence and say hey you follow with me who is it that you have influence with and how can you better lead by example toward jesus in faith as we move forward we have to recognize it's not just about what we say it's not just about how we lead but it's also how we live first timothy four twelve it says in faith and spirit and in purity see through both letters Paul talks to Timothy, and he keeps saying, "As for you, this is how you live. This is what you do." And that's that's the idea of purity here. It's not just um, clean from the world, although it is that. But it's about being kind of set apart. It's 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 about um, integrity, about what you do when no one's watching. That's this idea of purity. And this letter where Paul's writing to Timothy, this is no exception when he says, this is how you live. When he gets to the end in verse 13, he says, till I come, I want you to give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, he says, don't neglect the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery, but meditate on these things, giving thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself, unto thy doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou wilt both save yourself and them that hear thee. He says, hey, give attendance to, meaning pay close attention to, the truth to sound doctrine he says hold on to this attend to it and then he says take heed to yourself and he says "And unto doctrine and then he says in doing this you're going to save yourself and those that hear you he says i want you to recognize the truth because it's going to protect you from this false teaching but he says if you've got a sphere of influence with others it, it could also save them that you can speak the truth to those who are hearing lies. It's this idea of initiating conversations that add value and spread truth. And he says, you can't do that if you don't take heed first to yourself. Invest in your relationship with Christ and grow in your understanding. This is how we set an example in the way that we live. See, too many people now, uh, especially the younger generation, they want the influence but haven't made the investment. Too many young people now, we want the following, but we don't have an actual relationship with Jesus. And you see this in, in the pop culture church, right? You have people who can gain a following, but they're just gaining followers of themselves, and they themselves are not actually followers of Jesus. They're not actually committed servants of Jesus. And Paul was able to tell Timothy, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That is a bold stance to take. I don't know that I could take that stance. There's not many people that could say, I'm following Jesus so closely that if somebody follows me, they're going to act like Jesus. But see, that's the idea is for us to ask the question, who, uh, who is closer to Jesus because of a relationship with us? See, when, when people uh, come close to us, do they hear the words of Jesus? Do they uh, hear the truth of God's word? See, one of the many dangers in our society now is that everyone has a platform. Everyone has a voice. Everyone can make their opinions heard about anything at any time for anyone. What we want to make sure of is that if we are an example to both the believer and the world around us, If we are an example we want to make sure that we are so familiar with the truth of God's word that that is the word that naturally comes out of us we want to be so familiar with the life of Jesus that that is the life that overflows out of us that's why spirit is one of those qualifications in verse 12 of chapter 4 he says this is a work of God's spirit living in and through you we're gonna talk about what walking in the spirit even looks like like in a few weeks and back to the basics but this idea of the fruits of the spirit it's something he produces in us it's love and joy and peace and gentleness and meekness and temperance and faith paul starts this passage saying in the last days and then he says in 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 he in the last days that people are going to depart from the faith and they're going to teach all kinds of nonsense And then in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is in his last days alive. He writes to Timothy again. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says again, in the last days. And he says, people aren't going to put up with sound doctrine or sound teaching. But then he says, because they will be lovers of themselves. And we see that even here and now today. That people uh, are lovers of themselves. And what we need to do is we need to recognize the world has a deep need for young people who will simply be an example in how we walk, in how we talk, in how we lead, and how we live. And then lastly, in the way that we love. Do we have a deep love? for God? Are we invested in our relationship with Jesus? 1 Timothy 4.12, one of those clear qualifications there that he, he says, be an example in word and conversation in charity or in love, And as I was going through this passage, it was so strange because I could see in these other 16 verses uh, so clearly where these other words aligned. We we kind of went through and talked about in word and conversation and in how we talk in spirit and faith and purity and how we lead and how we live. We've unpacked all those, but there's no other place in these 16 verses in chapter four where it really talks about love. That's when I realized, you know, love is kind of like worship. It's when we say all of life is worship, it's it's everything we do. And that's the case with love. It's not a singular action. It's not love, worship, these aren't things that we just do. It's not one thing that we do. It's at the core of all of our actions. It's it's the driving force behind all that we do. Love is the driving force behind the way we talk, and the way we lead, and the way that we live. That's why Paul tells the church at Corinth, hey, I can speak the truth in all wisdom. He says, I can can, can claim all prophecy. He says, I can have the faith that looks at this mountain and tells it to move and it moves, tell it to jump and it jumps. But he says, if I don't have love, I'm like the banging and clanging of cymbals. It's just noise. That's why Jesus says, hey, what's the most important commandment? Love God with all that you have, your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself you see this isn't something that i just rant about because it's simple or it's easy, or because i can't put together an outline this is something that we always come back to love god and love others because this is what it seems like god always comes back to at the end of it all this is why we're going back to the basics because god what god gave us it's not painfully easy it's difficult it's very difficult it's impossible apart from the work of jesus But what God gave us is truly simple. If you truly want to be an example to the believer, if you get nothing else, get this one. Intentionally love God and love others and watch what he does through you. You see, we've talked a lot about what the church needs and how we can be an example for the believer, but ultimately, you know what would change the church, what would change this community, what would change this nation, what would change the world? A generation of people who were fully devoted to loving God and loving others. If we started there, that would be a great place to start. And so let's lead the way as we kind of get back to the basics and we discover what it looks like to be an example for the believer in how we talk, in how we lead, in how we live, and ultimately in how we love. I'm excited to see what God does in and through us this semester and moving forward. We'll catch up with you guys next week.